This is Marvel 616 Politics, episode 21, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Mr. Mayo, what is up? Mr. Kirby. Mr. Kirby, is this really the 21st episode? Isn't it? Now you're making me second-guess myself. I don't know. For some reason, I thought it was the 22nd. Oh, don't tell me that. Let's see here. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the 21st. Ah, blast. Foiled again. Ah, I know. And it's been a year. We've been doing this for a year. Can you believe it? I know, we almost got 25 episodes in one year. That's pretty freaking awesome. I know, I know. Well, yeah, it's something. I don't know if it's awesome. Hey, have you seen our Facebook page is gradually getting more people? And we're not, I mean, I'm not advertising anymore. No, it's crazy. I mean, we're 14 away from 600. I think now 13. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's really, just in the past probably two weeks, the Facebook page has really lit up. Yeah, and and uh, the demographic is like all girls, guys, all different ages. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah, a lot of people from uh, across the pond, if you will. Oh my yes, across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> we we love our English slash British slash Irish, Scottish, whatever you guys are. We love you guys. We love you. Yeah. I mean, you know. I would be offended if somebody thought I was from California, so I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, Ben, our, our famous, our famous man that's in the, you know, the star of the new Captain America movie. He's, uh, he's been around, and, uh, Charlie, Charlie McConville, uh, McConville, yeah. He, uh, him and I were actually real life friends now on Facebook, and we've been, uh, we talk almost every day back and forth. So, uh, <laughs> real life uh, friends. <laughs> a real life Facebook friend. <laughs> so you guys are going to start your own podcast? That's sad. No, no. He is, he is slowly working his way through all of our podcasts. He, he became a fan a little later in our journey. And, uh, so he's working his way through all of them and he's got a, a really sweet, uh, YouTube page where he videotapes his different collections and stuff, and uh, we go back and forth, and it, it's really good. We might have to get him on the show sometime. Goodness gracious. Have, has he posted on the board? I can't even find his name. He has posted on the board a couple times, um, not you know, pretty sporadically, uh, but I mostly just talk to him on my own. Goodness gracious. You have this life that I'm not even aware of. No, I know. I'm keeping secrets, Andy. <laughs> That's the first step to our relationship failing. <laughs> so how are things with you, man? Oh, things are nuts, dude. We, uh, my, my brother-in-law and his wife and kids came and stayed at our house. And then they left their kids and then flew to Vegas and then flew back after a couple of days. And then my other sister-in-law came in to watch the kids. And we've been entertaining nonstop. I'm taking, did I tell you I'm, I'm taking classes? I'm trying to get my second bachelor's. Now you told me. I don't know if you told everyone on the podcast. Yes, listeners, I'm I'm trying to get a degree, a bachelor's of science in IT, so I can uh, grow in my job here at 
at the place of my work. And uh, so that's kicking my butt. I'm going through the University of Phoenix, which is good. Generally, it's easy, but it's, you know, and in between youth group stuff and and everything else. And work has been crazy. It's been winding down a little bit, but it's been nuts. So I feel like I'm super behind on my comics, on this podcast, on posting on the board. But I'm having a blast. Other than that, I'm doing well. Dude, I, I'm with you, though, like with the whole behind. I don't, I don't know what, not like you're behind or. Like your booty or anything, but just being behind on comic books, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, Marvel just puts out, you know, a hundred titles a week or, or what the deal is, but I just keep, I keep getting more backlogged and more backlogged and more backlogged. I can't catch up. Well, I gotta say, some of that is they're putting out stuff that I just don't want to read and have to, like Iron Man Legacy and Prince of Power and, some Hercules thing that's like set in the future, and I'm like, what is going on here? This, what what is all this stuff? And I force myself to read it, and it takes like weeks and weeks to get there. I don't know. I don't know. What? Why? Why do you force yourself to read it? Is there just a conviction about every Marvel title, or or what? Well, okay. Well, it's kind of like when we do the podcast. How will I know what a, a certain character is up to if I haven't read the last thing with that character? So, let's see. What was I talking about here? Uh, Hercules, Twilight of a God, number three. Really? Really? <laughs> Do I need to be reading this? I don't think so. It's written by Leighton. Who's Leighton? <laughs> he wrote Hercules. Duh. Uh. <laughs> it's like, you know, so I sit there and force myself to read this. And then after that, Heroic Age Prince of Power with Amadeus Cho. It's like, oh my goodness. No, I thought he was one of your favorites. Amadeus Cho? Are you serious? <laughs> you, <laughs> you got me, you. <laughs> yes, I, I know he's right up there with, you know, Sentry and Tigra. Oh yeah. Well, let's let's stay away from the tiger thing. Goodness gracious, the message the forums like every time I go on there and somebody is in the room looking or something, they're like, "What is that picture?" I'm like, "You know what? That's just let's just skip it." We'll find a new femme fatale for for Andy. I see. Maybe I, like Big Bertha from uh, Great Lake Great Lakes Avengers. I say nay on that one. That's or <laughs> Squirrel Girl or whatever. No thanks. I say the nay. I say the nay. I do have to confess something that I have been ever since Superman number seven hundred. I've read Superman seven hundred, Superman seven oh one, and I'm in the middle of Superman seven oh two. The only reason I'm reading this is because Straczynski's writing it. Andy, I, I don't care if Michael Jackson rose from the grave and started writing it. What are you doing? I can't help myself. It's Straczynski. He's so good. Oh, this is Marvel 616 politics. I know, but some of our fans like DC as well. Well, then they can join DC 7332 politics because they've got so many different Earths, you know? <laughs> This is Marvel, baby. All right, all right. I, I'm not going to talk about it here. I'm just confessing. Oh, well, you know, penance will come to you. 
So what else is new? Oh, I am uh, I am readying a stash for eBay. That's what I focused my day on today. Just uh, I plunged my way through Thunderbolts one through one hundred forty six in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> no wonder you're behind. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was talking to uh, some fans about. Is I just kind of you know I can read you know one title you know every half hour or whatever, or I can just sit down and make my way through the whole title and be done with it. That's what I did with Thunderbolts, and now I'm going to work on Wolverine Origins and a couple other titles. Yeah, Wolverine Origins, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, just on the phone, but it was all right. I I couldn't, you know, the story was good. It got into it. It started to flow and everything about, you know, by issue 12 to 24, somewhere in there, the second year. But it's just kind of like, okay, this is another twist to his history. What else are they going to throw at us? Okay, now it fits all together. So I'd be really interested to hear what you think about the whole thing. Yeah, I've only got like uh, probably 15 to 20 issues read right now. but I, So i got to go ahead and finish everything else up. But Thunderbolts, though, my goodness. Thunderbolts, um, Civil War, Thunderbolts, Dark Reign. Those have been some awesome, awesome issues. Really good, like, espionage, villain stuff. It was just great. Good read. Now, hadn't you read that before or no? Um, I'd read bits and pieces, like here and there, and just could never really do the whole thing. So I just started at issue number one, back from like 1996, and went up and I read all the one-shots and all the limited series and everything. There are a lot of good good parts to it, but the the uh, probably the past five years of Thunderbolts were the best out of everything. Really good stuff. Now, isn't there a giant disconnect, though, between when Zemo left and then the new team? Like, right around the time that uh, Civil War was going on? Uh, well, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, there was some filler in there, you could say. A lot of stuff with going to an alternate Earth. Um, different stuff with Moonstone losing her gem. There there are a couple sketchy things in there, and I think it's kind of, it's definitely on pace now. The team under Luke Cage is awesome. Well, what's going? I mean, what was going on with all that stuff about the, like the guardians of the universe playing chess against some other and using the thunderbolts? You know what I'm talking about, or no? Am I? Oh, I do. No, 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 I do. Um, and I'll just tell you, there were a few issues that were definitely skimmed because they were very difficult to figure out what was going on with, like you said, the whole guardian of the universe thing and and uh, Zemo trying to to kill these cosmic beings and stuff. Um, I mean, it's just like any title, you know, there are some lulls where they're just not as good as they used to be. Yeah, I couldn't get into that, and I uh, I started collecting them when they were the new Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on here? I got this giant dude, and then a guy who feels bad for his brother, and then, like, the team's winding down, and all of a sudden, a new team came up, and I was like, yes, this is awesome! And so I tried to go back and read some stuff, and I was like, no, I can't. I can't go back. No, they're definitely, it's kind of like, um, you know, like when X-Men went from X-Men to New X-Men, it was just almost like from one issue to the next was a totally different series. Right, yeah. How Thunderbolts was, too. <laughs> just from one to the next, totally different. Well, I gotta say, it's good now. I mean, I think the heyday, though, was when they were just totally evil, and then, like, redemption crept in. Uh, you know, when you had Headsman and uh, those guys on the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just pure villainy. But uh, 
even, you know, I was surprised because I always, you know, back in the 90s, I was just a total, just an X-Men guy. I knew who the Thunderbolts were, and I thought it was a really good idea. You know, Onslaught kills all the villains. I mean, all the heroes, and so the villains dress up as heroes, and they become heroes for for, for whatever. I thought it was an awesome concept. But then reading it, starting off, you know, they're really only hiding for like 11 to 12 issues, and then they're exposed. So really, you know, I wonder, you know, if we could have gone back, how long they could have kept it up under a different writer or something like that, because uh, it kind of destroyed the premise really early on. Who's, who started that? Was that Fabian who started it or no? Yeah, that's Fabian the Cieza. Okay, so he started it and did he also create, um, was he a key player in X-Force at the time or no? Um, X-Force was a little bit before that. Okay, alright. Cause I know him and then who's the other dude, uh, who? Um, with X-Force? Yeah. Rob Liefeld? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, well. You're doing good, man. You're doing good for some, I mean, because that was a period when you were into comics. Ah, thank you. Yes, and actually, believe it or not, Rob Liefeld, the way I remember that is by his art. He's got a, you know, distinctive art. And I know a lot of people out there hate how he drew Captain America and everything, and there were some incidents at comic book conventions when people <laughs> de- demanded that he say he was a sorry for drawing Captain America that way, but you know, whatever. Yes, there were, those were sad days. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's give out some contact information. We're 15 minutes into it. Uh, like we said, this is Marvel 616 Politics. Uh, you can visit us on our website, marvel616politics.com, or you can visit us, as the majority of people do, on Facebook, facebook.com slash marvel616politics, or email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. You can give us a call, ask us a question, leave us a message at uh, 616-755-TINA. Uh, or you can even uh, hit us up on Twitter at 616-POLITICS. You like how I threw you that curveball? I accidentally stole yours. But then I went around and got the Twitter. Ah, look at you. What? <laughs> <laughs> My game. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, once more, that phone number, I don't know, you may have... Uh... Say the phone number one more time. I think you you blinked out there for a second. Ah, 616-755-TINA. Yes, so send us your voicemails. I want to say, give a plug to DCB Service. uh, It's uh, Discount Comic Book Service at dcbservice.com. I have upped my order. They have have this thing. Okay, they order. uh, Are you familiar with the website? Uh, I've only been there once based on uh, you telling me you were going to order from them. Okay, so I got my first shipment, and I liked it so much. Um, you know, I usually read the trades, and I, I, I got the I got the issues in hand, and I only ordered stuff from the last week, so I would get it right away, and everything would be kosher, and, you know, I would be caught up on stuff. And the, here's the trick. I only got stuff that um, I could wait to read because I can go out to the comic book store and pick up, you know, the issue, the X-Men, the Spider-Man, the Avengers, the issues I want to read right away. So I picked some titles. I was like, ah, if I'm a week late on these, it won't really matter. But I got them in, and I was just, I just enjoyed sitting down and reading them and having them delivered to my door so much that I was like, I got to go back and increase my order. 
So you have to order two months in advance, but I, I emailed them. This guy, Josh, there from customer service, um, I was like, hey, is there any chance I can, you know, I can up my order? I would love to spend more money with you. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, don't worry. It's for this month. Give us no more money. <laughs> yeah. But I, I said, it's going to be the last week. So he was like, hey, that's fine, whatever. So he sent me these uh, Excel spreadsheets, and I just – you can actually fill out the spreadsheet and upload it to their website, and then it just completes your order. So that was pretty nifty. And I, I did that for June and July, which was August and September, and then I placed my October order. So I spent a ton of money, dude, a ton of money <laughs> on those three. And uh, here's the thing. Like, when I uploaded it, it uploaded a little bit wrong, and it charged me double. And then I just emailed him. I said, Hey, can you take away these books? Can you delete these orders? Can you give me back some, you know, some of my money? And, uh, every single time I emailed them, they were like, no problem, no problem, no problem. And everything was taken care of. And I was like, dude, I'm going to give you a shout out on our show. Here's the link. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if anybody is into or fed up with your, uh, LCS, um, tr uh, try out. Uh, DCBService.com. Uh, they're worth a look-see. And they got, they got great discounts, like 40% discounts, man. Well, you know, I think if they are such a good service, they should consider sponsoring Marvel616.com. You know what I think? Uh, I think that if they start listening to this, then maybe they'll say, hey, that was such a good plug. Maybe we'll give them a deeper discount. <laughs> Actually, my plan, if, and I always go and do. <laughs> uh, I mean, you told me not to read Hercules, so I stayed away from Hercules. You told me Wolverine Origins is something I should check out because everything flows together. I'm checking out Wolverine Origins. If you're t telling me to check out this comic service, then I'm definitely going to check it out. Wow. You are you are one loyal friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've yet to steer me wrong. So. Thank, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because I... I I need an untarnished track record. <laughs> <laughs> no, go check it out. Um, get your 40% discounts. Wolverine number one coming up is only 99 cents. Um, they have, they have discounts on everything and not just crap stuff either. Not just a Hercules Twilight of a guy who wish you were dead. You know, not that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, how's their shipping? Shipping was good. Shipping, the books came in uh, in pristine condition. It was supposed to come in on Friday. So they shipped on a Wednesday. The last Wednesday of the month they ship. Uh, and you can actually pay extra to ship on, on you know previous Wednesdays. But they shipped the last Wednesday of the month. I got an email that said it's supposed to be there Friday, but I didn't actually get it till Monday. So I'm going to see if that's a consistent thing or not. Awesome. Sounds like a great service. It is, dude. And I was... I was super surprised. It actually tells you, like, on the spreadsheet how much you're saving. And uh, when I was done, it was like, you saved $40. And I was like, what? If that tells you how much I purchased. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's, um, let's do some current events. Current events. We got some interesting stuff this week for current events. And then after current events, we'll then do our single question from one of our fans. Current events, man. We got 
I started looking at it. I was like, okay, what what exactly is going on in the Marvel Universe right now? What what big thing, you know, yeah, we got World War Hawks. Yeah, we got, you know, the Thanos Imperative. Um, and do, you know, but there's nothing like really like super big. And I know our fans out there are like, hello, Shadowland. But it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel that big. So we're, we're doing X-Men 2. Uh, you know, X-Men number two, we're doing Shadowland number two for you guys out there, and we're doing Do More number six to finish up that disaster. <laughs> Complicated disaster. Oh, don't give it away! Don't give away our dreams! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, bro, take it away. X-Men number two, it's all you. Alright, we're gonna start off with, like Andy said, X-Men number two. And, uh, starts off, well, as you know, we've got the whole vampire Twilight thing going on in the X-Men universe, so uh, it was only a matter of time, and the, the vampires have come to San Francisco. <laughs> I just feel funny saying that. It just sounds weird. It is weird. It doesn't just sound weird. It is weird. <laughs> the, the vampires have come to San Francisco, <laughs> and uh, they are ready to take, take on some X-Men. Uh, I know that the cover, I think, is uh, one that you would appreciate, Andy. I, I think this is kind of your style. Wolverine versus Blade. Am I correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think I wrote about this on the on the uh, cover commentary. Well, it was kind of reminiscent of uh, a lot of the Second Coming covers. Yes, that, uh, and you always liked those. So I was like, uh, "This is right up Andy's alley." Uh, you are definitely correct. I, I I commented on the textures and the the material, the costume, and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is a good cover, and it, and it looks. Uh, pseudo-realistic, you know? So, X-Men number two, Blade and Wolverine on the cover. Um, as we, we uh, start off issue number two, we've got Wolverine and Colossus still on uh, tracking down these hybrid vampire creature-like things, and it uh, looks like they found one, so they immediately go into battle. Of course, they're, they're in some, some, some kind of building, and the uh, vampire creature breaks out. And uh, they notice that he's hit by sunlight and he's fine. Uh, he doesn't burst into flames, as Colossus asks. Um, so they're not really sure what's going on. But, of course, they do a classic fastball special right towards the vampire. But they miss. And uh, instead they knock over a water tower and uh, they talk about, you know, they're getting a little old, they're losing their touch. Uh, and, of course, the goddess herself, Storm, swoops in and saves the day with a blast of uh, lightning right to the vampire. And takes him down quickly. Hey, what what is with what is with your character here? She can't get clothes that fit. What's going on? She what? She can't get clothes that fit. <laughs> her her uh, handcuffs fit. What are you talking about? Her boots are fine, dude. What <laughs> what is with? I I never have understood this with a costume, and I don't think it's attractive or sexy or anything. But where the costume goes. It does not follow the leg line where the thighs meet the torso. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm talking about? Where the costume goes in further than that? Yeah. What is with that? That's kind of, it was big in the 80s. Oh, it needs to stay in the 80s. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That's, to me, that's gross, man. Cause you gotta think about it, like, when they're running and stuff, like, that's a, that's a crevice in the body that dirt can just get in. It's like your elbow and your armpit. Ah, that's gross. 
Well, I'm, you do know that this isn't real, right? I don't. I don't understand the question. I mean, like this, like she's not real, and and their their costumes change from panel to panel to suit. You know, in one in one panel she has high heels on, in this panel she has flats on. You know, sometimes they have butt floss, sometimes it covers their whole booty. You know, <laughs> butt floss. Yeah, like like Ms. Marvel. Sometimes they she turns around and she's wearing a thong, and then two panels later you turn around and she's her her bottom's fully covered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Even even with Storm's costume, they sometimes it's yellow outlining, sometimes it's silver outlining, sometimes she has a yellow lightning belt, sometimes she doesn't, sometimes the the things swoop off the shoulders, sometimes they swoop off by her neck, sometimes they're not even there. It's, don't get me started. All right, all right, okay, all right. Go on. Hey, well, wait. Did you like the Did you like the art for this issue? I do like the art for this one. It, it's just kind of. Basic classic, uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the guy that's doing Avengers Children's Crusade. What is that? Is that like Sean Sean Chung or Sean Young? Jim Jim Chung Chung Chung. Right. Someone Chung. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of reminiscent of that. Like it's real. It's pretty classic and crisp. It's not overly detailed and stylized. You know. It's right. Basic. Now, see, I I totally agree with you on this. It's not too often we agree on the art, but I think that, I mean, how Wolverine looks in this issue clinches it for me. I just think he looks fantastic. Yeah, he's smaller than Colossus. Colossus is obviously, you know, like, you see water on their costumes, uh, on that page with Storm on it, but it's it's not like McFarlane water, you know? it's It doesn't, you know, encapsulate the whole page. It's just simple, basic. Yes. Yep, I'm with you. All right, go on. So the vampire dude falls into the sewer. Uh, I don't even know why, why Storm showed up. It was kind of weird. But so Colossus and uh, Wolverine said they got to go in and uh, go after him. So they open up. They uh, they find this big cave-like thing or whatever, and they pull open the door, and inside are a ton of these uh, these vampire creatures, probably like ten of them, and they're huge and they're mad, and they go right after Wolverine and Colossus. And uh, they start to fight him, and all of a sudden, one of the vampire's legs are trapped with, uh, I don't know what that would be called, like a, a skull rope or something. <laughs> and, uh, a skull look, rope. <laughs> you know, everybody wants one. Blade has shown up, and he is also attacking the vampires and kind of shows Wolverine Colossus how it's done. Uh, they decide they need to take one back alive so that they can show the X-Club how they can come up with some kind of cure for Jubilee. Uh, they talk to Blade about why these vampires can go out in the daylight, and uh, Blade says it's light-bending technology that uh, they can bend the harmful rays out of the way, and it's better than SPF 10 billion sunblock. Uh, so Dracula and, X- and the vampires have stepped up their game when Blade revealed that Dracula is actually dead. And um, there's a world of bad about the fall in San Francisco, is what Blade says. Then we head off over to Utopia, uh, right off the coast of San Francisco, and Dr. Nemesis is talking with Jubilee as she was uh, infected last issue uh, with this blood of the, vamp- the vampire bomb that went off. Um, he's asking just how does she feel, um, not physically, but just inside, what does she feel? 
and she says that she feels like she needs something, she wants something. Uh, it's coursing through her veins, veins that she needs to get it, and she's not sure that she even wants to fight it. Uh, then we cut off to Dr. Nemesis and Dr. Rao. Well, and wait, hey, hey, what, let me stop you. Does, does Jubilee look right to you in this? Uh, she looks okay. She looks so generic to me. Like, I, yeah. if, if I saw her, okay, if I saw Dr. Nemesis, Nemesis right there, I would say, oh, that's him, yeah. And then, who's this girl, you know? Yeah, it could have been Hisako, it could have been X-23, it could have been Surge. <laughs> right, I mean, does Jubilee have a distinctive look other than her costume? Yeah, if she doesn't have a yellow trench coat or sunglasses on her head. You know, because she's supposed to be Japanese-American, but she's always really been drawn just normal American, you know, like a typical Caucasian person. Right, right. So uh, Dr. Nemesis and Dr. Rao are talking, and, and they're just saying that they're science people, and that vampire skulls and hocus-pocus and magic is just not what was covered in med school. Uh, so they don't think that their education is going to be enough to uh, cure Jubilee and help her out. Cyclops uh, convenes all the mainstays of the X-Men, from Namor and Storm and Gambit to Archangel and Psylocke and Emma and a couple others, uh, just to figure out what the plan is uh, to take down these vampires. So. Cyclops reveals to the team that Dracula is dead, and they ask, what exactly are we up against? So then we flip to Lord Zarus. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Son of Dracula. Uh, and he's the one that's actually in charge of the vampires right now, all the vampire sex and everything. And um turns out that, that uh, people that have been hit by the virus are now approaching him. They're coming right to him, and they're, they're talking about Jubilee. And... Um, and how they're just waiting for her to come, that she is strong. She's stronger than what they thought she was. She's fighting the infection, uh, but that eventually it is going to take her over, and she will show up. And uh, Lord Zarus reveals his plan that once they have Jubilee, that he knows that the X-Men will send Wolverine to rescue Jubilee, and once they turn Wolverine into a vampire, then all the X-Men will fall one by one, all the mutants will fall one by one, and eventually the mutant race will swell uh, into the vampire race, and they will be able to take over the entire world uh, by having mutant vampires. Now, did he actually say Wolverine, or no? It was just implied. Well, in the top page of that, once we have Jubilee, we know who we'll send to rescue her, and once he is turned, they will all fall one by one. Uh, if there's anybody that they're going to send to save Jubilee, it would be Wolverine. And why is that? Oh, they, they're just like, you know, Wolverine and Shadowcat, you know, back in the 80s, that was his little protege. In the 90s, it was Jubilee, that was his protege. Uh, you know, she saved him from being crucified in Australia, and ever since then, she's ran around with Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, he's just, those two have always been tight-knit. Got it. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So then back to Utopia. Jubilee has escaped. She took out Dr. Rao. And she's decided that she's, she just has to, she can't fight the urge anymore. She has to go wherever it is that she needs to go. Uh, she says, whatever it is I need, whatever's out there, I want it. And uh, she's on a jet ski and, and headed to the mainland from Utopia. Um, back inside the, the war room, the meeting room, uh, the rest of the X-Men and Blade are still talking uh, about what's going on. And Blade reveals that Lord Zarus is uh, as the one that has united all the different sects of the vampires um, into one single vampire nation. 
and that there, that's something that uh, Dracula was never able to do, and that's why Lord Zerus is now the most powerful vampire ever. Um, what is that guy's name? Dr. Madison Jeffries, that's his name. He, uh, he recalibrates Cerebro to detect vampire DNA. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know how he does that. That's not really what, uh, Cerebro does, but <laughs> he, he did that. So, uh, Cerebro now va- detects vampire DNA. And there's a really cool spread that shows the, the area in Southern California, particularly San Francisco. And it shows thousands and thousands and thousands of little red dots signifying the vampires and how basically the X are just surrounded by thousands of vampires. Uh, they didn't realize it was that bad. Next page, we see Jubilee, and she has made it to Lord Zarsus, um citadel, his castle, whatever it may be. And uh, she talks to him, and and uh, he just says that he can help her or whatever. Back at the X Mansion, they talk about what they're, you know, Angel puts it really well. He says, so basically, we're on a boat surrounded by sharks. And Wolverine says, the boat's sinking. Yes, that's exactly what's happening with the vampire situation in Utopia in San Francisco. Um, Emma comes up with a, a plan saying it's better to know the de- it's Sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil that you don't know. For as the, what plan they're going to come up with to defeat this. Um, so Cyclops and Blade and Wolverine, all them, through all their talks, basically they come up with to decide that the only way to take out Zarsis is to bring about Dracula. What is sorry he did? Um, his head has been taken by uh, Alicians, and then his body is buried. So Cyclops decides that they need to resurrect Dracula uh, because Lord Zarsis will be so well. Because Dracula will be so PO'd at Lord Zarsis for taking over his throne that payback will be his number one priority. Uh, Emma says Dracula is our bomb. We light the fuse and stand back. Um, Blade is very hesitant at, at this. He says it's too risky. Uh, but Wolverine says the Harry plays the only play that we've got. Um, so basically that's what they're gonna, the X-Men decide to do is, uh, get his head, get his body, resurrect Dracula, and pit him against Lord Darcy's. Um, and that's the only way that they're gonna be able to defeat Lord Darcy's and take down this vampire, uh, nation that's taking over. And, uh, finally, Lord Darcis bites into Jubilee's neck, and she says, thank you. And the issue ends with a, another a, a preview of the next issue's cover, which I'm sure you also like, too. I actually and, did, yep. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks cool. So that was uh, X-Men number two. I thought it was uh, it was decent. I thought it was probably better than issue number one. Uh, still, I'm just, it's still just so hard to get into it because it's the whole vampire thing. And I'm just really turned off by the vampire thing stuff going on right now, you know? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was extremely straightforward. Nothing super awesome. If you like vampires and if you like that feeling of how in the world can you beat something that you become, but still, this doesn't put them in any scientific or any clever, um, you know, any any clever situation. This is like, we will turn as many and just come at you. And, uh, you know, it's it doesn't even matter that it's vampires. The story is extremely one-dimensional. We're going to amass this army, and it's going to be sheer numbers against you. Well, how are they going to resurrect Dracula? Ah, you just stick his head back on and 
don't know. Doesn't don't yeah. vampires have like a healing power or something? But did how did they kill Dracula? Well, Zerus killed Dracula. He cut off his oh. head. Oh, he just cut off his head. Okay. Yeah, I mean in in Dracula in the book you you cut off their head, you bury them separately, you stuff the mouth with garlic, you know, and you stab the the chest with a cross or a, or a wooden stake. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of hocus pocus. But and so if you reunite the head and take out the garlic and remove the stake, they come back alive, I guess. Are you mocking me? No, that's what I'm asking. Because, I mean, it's, or do they have some kind of resurrection machine? Because get Nightcrawler in there, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I think I think if they get these people together, then it's supposed to it's supposed to do it, you know? Okay. Yeah. I think probably the, the best-selling point of this was artwork. I really just, I liked it. It was, like I said, clean and crisp, classic. It, it was just good. I, I did like that, too. I did like that, too. But other than that, I mean, it's just, you know, where's, where's Gishler going to take us? That's, that's the question. Well, I, I think we're going to see different people from the Marvel Universe come in based on those covers. And uh, we're going to get the, the vampires will be defeated by issue six because it's going to be a six-issue storyline to collect in a trade paperback. And by issue seven, we're going to be somewhere else and everything will be back to status quo. I thought that they were going to do this for like 18 months, though. For real? I thought that I had read that that they said Dracula is going to be a big part of this for about 18 months. Well, see, I thought he was just doing the X-Men thing for like six and then moving on to other pieces of the Marvel Universe. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, that would be nice, but I don't really expect that to happen. Well, dude, in 18 months, I'm going to be 18 months older. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with vampires for 18 months. I know, I know, but, you know, what are you going to do? Make yours, Marvel, not 616, politics. <laughs> Read X-Men forever. Read ultimate titles. Yeah, well, I I guess anybody can vote with their money, but that's about it. Yeah. All right, man, well, what, what do you have on the docket? Yeah, well, all in all, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like it's pretty disappointing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, all in, I, we'll do Shadowland too. <laughs> don't be, don't be sad. Uh, felt like Shadowland, you know, I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like a big deal. Like I said, it's a limited series. It's a five issue series. I thought this was six. It's got all these street level characters, which I like them, but how can you do a crossover with just street level characters where you know, if it's really that big a deal, then call in the big guns. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it, it it's kind of tough by in and of itself. I can see if you were doing it like one character or two characters really have to go at it. But, you know, they have like 12 characters. And the thing is, this thing spans 11 titles. 11 Shadowland titles. Including Thunderbolts, including Daredevil, and then a ton of spin-offs. This thing's supposed to be huge, but it feels like, you know, like, it's one section of the universe. It, it's not, it, it's nothing special, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Alright, well, anyway, the cover's terrible. What do you think? Uh, it's very, um, what's the right word? Very stiff. 
Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. I think the proportions are wrong or something. Something's up. I mean, maybe it's too perfect and not stylized at all. I think maybe it's too accurate to real life. Like these people, their eyes would be here and that's it. And they would have these muscles, but no more. And, you know, their underwear rides up because this is truly their waist. <laughs> well, weird. everybody is kind of like, all right, everybody together, stand. In the same pose, don't move, snap the picture. Yes, that's what happened. And then Moon Knight isn't even in the issue. <laughs> or Electra. <laughs> what are you talking about? Moon Knight's in it. I didn't see Moon Knight. He's not in costume. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Electra's not in this one. She's in uh she's in Daredevil um five oh nine, which comes right after this, or right before it. I can't <clears throat> I'm not sure which. All right, so we start out Moon Knight, because look at the little moon in the upper left-hand corner of the word boxes. Oh, I didn't catch that. Ah, yes. I was like, who is the dude eating the pickle? (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah. Moon Knight is watching over um, Shadowland, and he's like, you know, what's going on? Ninjas are ruling. It's martial law. This is crazy, and people call me crazy because he is crazy. He's multiple personalities disorder. He's he's a nutcase. So he grabs this balloon, but it looks like a pickle, and he eats the thing. Uh, and he gets out of the car. He's in a taxi. He's not in costume. For those of you playing at home, he smashes the windshield of the car, just trying to get attention. And all of a sudden, these ninjas, the hand who Daredevil is in charge of. Uh, land and he says, okay, let's get started. So he's obviously going to put up a fight so that he doesn't, you know, they don't think he's trying to infiltrate. We cut to Danny Rand's soup kitchen, which conspicuously has the logo of the Iron Fist uh, instead of the O for soup. Thought that was interesting. Yeah, nice detail. They're talking about, you know, Daredevil, he killed Bullseye. Was it okay? Was it not okay? Um, Danny to believe it's all right. Luke Cage says, no, it was murder and that's it. And uh, Danny says, you know, but he, he saved so many people um, by killing Bullseye. Doesn't that, can't we take that into account? And he's like, no, that's ridiculous. Um, and just look, he's trying to rule with justice, but all he's ruling with is fear. And when people are afraid, they turn on each other. And then a, a fight breaks out in there, and they say, you know, this is what I'm talking about, case in point. And uh, Luke Cage steps in and says, hey, we're going to have a problem. The guy who's fighting, one of the guys tries to stab him, breaks his knife on his amazing unbreakable skin. And then um, he says, okay, you guys want to go another round? And all of a sudden, the kingpin, Wilson Fisk, enters in with Lady Bullseye trailing right behind him, and they say, no, they were just leaving. And Did you notice that Luke Cage also has unbreakable clothing? You know, it probably pierced some of the clothing, but, you know, the knife was so sharp that it just made a small hole. Oh, okay, okay. Don't ruin my fantasy! <laughs> this is my world. All right. You know, they leave and Fisk is like, you know, we, we want the same thing. We want to return the legitimate authority to Hell's Kitchen just as much as I do. And Luke says, oh, cops are easier to buy off than ninjas, huh? So they understand. They don't really trust him. 
but they put together a posse and they're like, okay, we're all going to meet and uh, we're going to, we're going to talk to Daredevil and find out exactly what's going on. We switch back to Daredevil and uh, he's talking to Tarantula and Tarantula is like, do you feel guilty because you killed him? And he says, no, I can't feel anything. And uh, Tarantula just says, well, tell me what you need. And he's like, reinforcements. We need reinforcements. Better fighters than the hand ninjas. So they're talking about recruiting a bunch of heroes. And they say, if they're not with us, then they're against us. And they don't have to be heroes. It's just anybody who will fight. So then we go back to Wilson Fisk, who is in a kimono. And Lady Bullseye, who is decked out in all her garb. Her wacky, crazy costume garb. And they're about to do some sort of, you know, ritual with fire, some mystical ritual. And then all of a sudden they do it and a giant explosion. The windows crash and who appears but our good friend Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider. Now, I don't know about you, but I was actually excited to see him because his series was pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> I thought, I didn't know it was Ghost Rider. I thought maybe it was Vengeance. Oh. Because he says, what else? Vengeance. Well, who's, who's Vengeance then? How is he different than Ghost Rider? Vengeance is Ghost Rider's villain. Really? Yeah, his arch nemesis. You know what? Not in any of the ones I recently read. I'm betraying my ignorance here. <laughs> well, you can edit it out. It's cool. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so... <laughs> White Panther comes, and, like, uh, the, the heroes come. We got Misty Knight, uh, Danny Rand, Luke Cage, Shang Chur, and Colleen Wing, who I was informed is part of the Heroes for Hire as well. White Tiger says, you know, this is off limits to civilians. They say, no, we have to talk to Daredevil. And he's like, okay, so you've reconsidered when they go to meet Daredevil, and they say, what? No, we're going to talk to you. And he says, there's nothing to discuss. Things get a little bit out of hand. Everybody's flying off the handle. <laughs> and he's saying, no, this is wrong. There's right. There's wrong. So then, obviously, Spider-Man shows up and says something about the whole black costume thing. It never, and it doesn't end well because Daredevil is not in his red costume. He's in his black costume. And things are getting a little bit heated there, which I'm pretty surprised that Spider-Man can make it through all those ninjas to the, to the opening of the window. Yeah, I was too. I was impressed. I was happy to see it. So then we go to Shadowland Dungeon, where the uh, criminals who have been taken, and some of them are cops, actually, uh, NYPD SWAT, are down there. And all of a sudden, one of the cellmates vomits up a balloon, and they say, what is that? And the balloon is full of lockpicks. So it is our good friend, Moon Knight, who is playing crazy. Uh, he gets out and he's trying to find out what's going on. He's going to, you know, infiltrate and see what Daredevil's up to. And all of a sudden they hear a roar. It's in the, it's in the bottom portion of the dungeon, which is like the sewer. And they say, what is that? And it says, it sounds like a dinosaur. He says, worse, it's an engine, which that didn't fit. This caption did not fit with the picture because the picture is freaking sweet. Dude, I want that as a post. That is awesome. I think it's good. I mean, it's not the type of detail. It's not the type of uh, intensity that you usually see for Ghost Rider, but it works. It's, like, very bright and a lot of fire, and uh, he looks pretty ticked off. Yeah, that's perfect. 
So he goes through and he's riding on the walls and he's beating up all these ninjas and he's going crazy. And then the guys come and to Daredevil and say, hey, we're under attack. And Daredevil says, I knew you guys were not my friends. And uh, then they all start fighting. So he says, dead or alive. And then there's this giant brawl with Misty Knight punching Tarantula in the face. And... Um, White Tiger is fighting Colleen and Iron Fist and Luke Cage and all these other people. So who knows what's going to happen? I, I I was surprised that it's only a five issue limited series and it's going to be over by November. That's kind of weird. I liked it though. I thought it was really good. Are you serious? Yeah, and I I don't like Marvel street level characters. You know, I don't. I've never liked Daredevil or the Heroes for Hire or Shang Chi or any of them. Now why haven't you? Really cool. Uh, they're just not. They're not very. They're just. They don't have, like, really cool powers. They're all basically just good fighters, and then, like, Luke Cage has, you know, unbreakable skin, and Iron Fist has a powerful fist, and, you know. Otherwise, they're just normal people. But I really like this. Like, all these guys uniting against crazy Daredevil, and then you got Ghost Rider in the mix, and anytime Kingpin is involved, it's going to be good. Yeah, actually, I do like him. I, I like his saga so far. And I'm telling you, you would really like what's going on or, you know, the whole story. You would really like the whole story. Yeah, well, I mean, after this issue, I, I definitely have to get into some more Shadowlands stuff because I, I really liked this issue. Well, I, I think you'd like it. I, I think you would actually really get into it. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was good. Again, it's kind of, it's it's very tough to write. I think it's a good story. And... um I really liked where Daredevil was going up until this point, but now he just seems so far off base. And since, you know, his his characters, I know this is Shadowland, it's not Daredevil, but his backup characters seem like very to take a, a back seat where the whole book was about the the plight he put these people in and how he's how is he going to make it right and what is he going to do to fix the whole thing. It seems like they, they he didn't do a very good job keeping. From um from Brubaker to Diggle didn't do a very good job of keeping the theme or the feel of the book. They changed all that, but they went and progressed with the story. So it's kind of weird. I'm conflicted. Well, maybe it'll get better. Well, I think it's good in and of itself. I just wish it hadn't changed. Well, what what was it that sent Daredevil off the edge? Did he just get corrupted because he's taking over the hand? Is that what it was? That we haven't seen that yet. I mean. That's basically it. Like, he was fighting one of the the Hand's high members, and they said, no, I didn't attack you, I don't do that. And then all of a sudden he comes back, and, you know, he gives in and kills Bullseye. So we're like, you know, what's up with this? Now, what made him take over the Hand anyway was, you know, Bullseye coming in and, and taking over, wasn't it? I can't remember. You know, Bullseye came in and blew up that building, and I think that's when he took over the Hand. He might have taken over the Hand before that. Yeah. Oh, when, yeah, Wilson Fisk was trying to take over the hand, and he said, no, to stop him, I'll do it. So oh, he, okay. Yeah, he took and now it. Wilson Fisk is working with the good guys against him. Right. Right. Interesting. Right. Because the king, the kingpin left. Um, He left the area. He was forced to leave, and then he eventually came back, so. All right, well, that was, that was Shadowland 2. I feel like this is like a subpar podcast. But I feel like it's Marvel's fault. Yeah, it's kind of a wah, wah, wah episode. Uh, yeah, not feeling it. All right. 
maybe when we get to our State of the Union, when we actually have something interesting to talk about that wasn't even published by Marvel, it'll pick up. <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't you blow? Why don't you blow through? Do more number six, like super fast. All right, do more number six is the the final issue to this uh, crossover that was do more that involved Deadpool, Fantastic Four, Storm, some X Men, yada yada yada. Um, the issue was just awful. It was a horrible ending. It was stupid. It ended basically with again all the heroes united to battle against Doom. Um, and T'Challa makes the ultimate, well, not the ultimate sacrifice, but a pretty big sacrifice in basically destroying um, the majority of the vibranium that is on Earth. Uh, I guess he, he, with some switch, with some button that he had, he ended up destroying all the vibranium that was um, cultured or technology, you know, they added stuff to it or, or whatever. So basically all the vibranium that's left is really like what is left over in the rock. Uh, the meteor that crashed Wakanda thousands of years ago. Um, Doom is defeated, and the last page, all the Marvel heroes are helping uh, Black Panther and T'Challa and Storm. It, it was really uh, a big, huge disappointment for something that could have been awesome. This thing, okay, first of all, let's let's go with something redeeming. I really enjoyed the art. I thought the art was really good. Uh, I, I think the art started off good. I was more impressed by the coloring because uh, it was almost like a watercolor to all of the art. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. The um, yeah, the colors and the actually the lighting on it and uh, the reflection of you know the light versus the dark and things like that, light sources. I thought that was very good in this. I was disappointed that Deadpool was in this. You know, no reason, no reason. You know, you get this awesome super doom guy, which nothing. And then the very end, like you said, like he uses this switch that says, I'm going to make all the processed vibranium inert, like useless. Processed vibranium, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, processed Wakandan vibranium. So if there's any other, then it doesn't work. I mean, that's just dumb. There's no scientific way that that could happen. It says that he, you know, it's a mixture of the alchemy and the mystic arts and blah, 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 and science and trash and garbage. Basically, it all boils down to this. Anything, any one reason why, why we would care about Wakanda has been taken away. Black Panther no longer exists. T'Challa is not the Black Panther. Some, his sister, Suri, whoever... She's the most disinteresting Black Panther in the world. Yeah. The marriage is not working because it doesn't even matter because Storm is with the X-Men in San Francisco all the time. This story has no place in continuity ever. Where in the world are bridges and buildings coming to life and attacking these superheroes? It's like, oh, the vibranium everywhere is attacking us. They can't send reinforcements. And then lastly... The only reason we care about the country of Wakanda is for its vibranium, and it made it all gone. Now it's like a dead, stupid country. Nothing. Nothing to offer. What in the world? Why would Mayberry write this? But not only why would he write it, but, I mean, that made it through editorial at different levels, and they all thought this was a good idea. 
Yeah, but then they're like, you know what? We're going to make this book more character-driven. Instead of people caring, we're going to take away the vibranium because that's all people care about, care about, and that's all people think of when they think of Wakanda. They don't even think of the Black Panther. Well, yeah, because that's all we care about. If you take away that source, we're like, ah, we're going to the Savage Land. See you later. Yeah. Stupid. You're right. It made it through editorial. What in the world were they thinking? But you, I mean, remember the first issue, probably maybe the second issue of Do More 2, we were both like, this is going to be interesting. You know, Storm is captured, Black Panther's defeated, uh, Dr. Doom is making his way to the inner sanctum of Wakanda. Uh, he's got to make it through the Panther God to declare him that he's, his soul is honest and just. Black Panther had come up and he's using He's always used technology. He's never been a magic person. But he dabbled into magic to figure out how he could keep Doom from getting this stuff. You know, then Doom captured his family and was killing people right and left. Like, it was really set up to be something meaningful and interesting. And then by issue three, it was it was just crap. I know. The first two, like I said, this could have been a four-issue limited series, okay? And it would have been fine. Or they could have put this in the regular title, the the Black Panther title, and then you would have been like, "Wow, I really care about this book." But since it since it was its own, it built its own hype up so much that the letdown was that much. And if it was in its own book, you would be like, "Finally, we're back on track with this, where it actually matters." But now they're making that book totally not matter by giving this its own book. It sickens me, Mayo. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it really hits the pocketbook too. Because you're hit with those first two issues, and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Then you hit issue three and four, and you're like, this sucks, but I, I need to know what happens, you know? So here come five and six, and by five and six, you're just, like, trying to gouge out your eyes. Yeah, but what in the world are they thinking where they're like, you know what, Shadowland, I think it's five issues. I think we can tackle that thing in five issues. And then they're like, but this story, <laughs> this is going to be a six-issue story where he actually steals the vibranium, and then we totally destroy it all. And people, and then they'll threaten him with severe rhetoric. I like it. <laughs> Give that man a prize. <laughs> oh. I, dude, I, I mean, you're you're uh, talking to the jury here. I, I totally agree. Talking to the jury. Yeah, that didn't make sense. I meant <laughs> a different word. I'm not doing good with my words tonight. I don't know what the deal is. Preaching to the choir. Speaking to you, preaching to the choir. That's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. You're talking to the jury who will decide its fate. <laughs> it's all good. Whatever. We don't want to too much Judge Judy. I apologize. Judge Judy? Is she still on? Oh, dude. She's crazy. Yeah, I watch her every day. She's nuts. <laughs> Review up, up one side and down the other, and you just feel like an idiot. You know what? And she'll call you an idiot. <laughs> I learn something new about you every single podcast, and you... <laughs> You're like an onion. You have layers upon layers. <laughs> Judge Judy is my homie. I love her. <laughs> Get to the 616 politics part, I guess. But if she was running the country, things would be so much different. <laughs> <laughs> Everything would be televised on network television. Well, she just calls it like it is. Yeah, she does not beat around the bush like like these other judge shows that, you know, they'll have a camera and they'll be like, let's show video of this or, like, audience, you pull in or call me and I'll give you a special offer. She's just like, you're an idiot. I'm going to call you like an idiot. My my favorite line is she says, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> like, 
yeah, Judge Jones, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, she would not have let Doomore get past her. No, absolutely not. And, like, who's the editor on this book? That's what I want to know. Doomore editor. Axel. Well, Sebastian Gurner is assistant editor, but Axel Alonso is the main editor. What is he thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's going really well. <laughs> All right, we'll get we'll get to that in a, we'll get to that in a little bit. That's a teaser, everybody. A teaser to stay tuned. Talking about <laughs> interviewing people. All right, do more. I'm done with this. Yeah, let's be done. That's, uh, I try to do the review as fast as possible. I do not understand how this got published. Let's do the body politic. Questions from our fans. We got one question from our good friend, who? Ben Stanley. Or as I like to refer to him as BS. Question. They just announced the Dead Avengers lineup. Who would you have wanted or chosen for your team? Do we know who the Dead Avengers lineup is? Uh, The Dead Avengers is Vision and uh, Female Yellow Jacket. Death Cry, and uh, Captain Marvel, Swordsman. Is there another? The Druid. Druid. Yeah, I think that's it. Let, let's say a little bit. Do you know about the Dead Avengers, what the what the take is, what the plot is? Yeah, like the whole Chaos War is, uh, is going on. It's resurrecting people from the dead, and uh, the Dead Avengers are brought back. All right, so what's the Chaos War? Uh, it's kind of like uh, DC's Blackest Night, isn't it? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's, I thought we had that with Necrotia. This is off in the Incredible Hercules, Amadeus Cho, part of the Marvel Universe with... It sort of mixes with Atlas, and it mixes with... Ooh, that's a good title. Atlas? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. No, no it isn't. You're... <laughs> Atlas, ah, dude, that's one of the ones where I'm like, I gotta read this? I can't believe it. (laughs) Don't do it! Dude, I have to say, though, I really have to say, I read Fantastic Four, the latest issue of Fantastic Four, and I really sat down, and I took my time, and I read it, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I think, I guess maybe I just fly through those, and I'm like, this sucked. But I really did enjoy that, so that that was pretty interesting. It was Hickman. This is, this is like the uh, most ADD version of a podcast we've ever had, I think. I'm sorry. My mind is in so many different directions. I ran from here. The reason why we had to push it back is because, and again, this is another teaser, a guy at my work, that's not true, a friend of mine who works with me um, said, hey, you guys want to come to dinner? And I said, I would, but I got this podcast and we got this interview that we're doing. And he said, oh, okay, well, if it falls through, let me know. So first thing in the morning, he comes in this morning and says, hey, did did your guest email you back? And I said, yes, our guest actually said yes, but backed out at the last second. And we'll talk about why. And he was like, oh, well, then you're free for dinner. And I was like, well, I got the podcast. And he looked at me, and I remember what I said. And I said, oh, I <laughs> reschedule or move it back. And so I made some phone calls, and I, and uh, my co-host, 
Jared was extremely nice to me, and he was like, sure, whatever you need. And so we moved it back, and that's why we're so late. So I ran from there uh, to here. So because I ran, I had to go to my, the president of the company, his wife's computer was not working correctly. So I had to go drive out to their house, which they live a good 30 minutes away. I had to drive there, set up a computer, drive back home, go to this the dinner, and then drive back home, drop off everybody, and run here. So that's why I'm a little ADD, I, I, I think. No. No, I think it's good. It's easy for me to follow because I like to do multiple things. I mean, you know, we're talking about comics, and we get into vampires, and we go back to comics, and we get to Judge Judy, and we get to comics. Like, it's just... It's it's good for Jared. <laughs> <laughs> if it's good for Jared, then it's good for everyone. <laughs> and then we, we're trying to do Dead Avengers, and we're getting off on Atlas. And <laughs> oh yes, Dead Avengers. That's where we're at. Okay, the Chaos War. I don't really pay attention to that side. You know, whatever. As as soon as the Olympus Foundation and the company and everything, blah blah blah, they're trying to take over the world and kill and all these Greek gods and Roman gods. It's really too much. It seems like it doesn't make sense with the rest of what's going on in, in the, the world. Ever since Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, that whole, everything from Hulk and Hercules over has been, like, insanely weird. And then everything else has been pretty good. It's just a strange part of the universe right now, you know? I know. When's it going to end? <laughs> Hopefully soon. Because Loeb took a different position, so we should be good. Yes, yeah. I I like Van Lente's writing. All right, that's who's writing this. Uh, what's his name? Fred? Fred Van Lente? Fred Van Lente, yes. He, he does good writing. It's just the subject matter. It's like, who cares about these people? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, Don't. so did did you get your list together of who you would roster up? Yes, I, I think you and I kind of interpreted our... The question a little bit differently. I interpreted the question as dead Avengers being Avengers that have died. Like, what Avengers that have died would I bring back? Right. I think you interpret the question as what Marvel characters have died that you would put on the dead Avengers. Yes. And I have a little bit of different list, and that's okay. <laughs> that way we kind of made sure that one of us got the right answer for BS. <laughs> for BS. All right. Star of the next Captain America movie, BS. Yeah, if you guys, if you guys don't know, if our listeners don't know, on the face on our Facebook page, Ben was telling us how he's an extra in the Captain America movie and he can't tell us too much about it and we were hoping he would send us an MP3 of him telling us a little bit about it. We played on the air, but he hasn't gotten that to us yet. So, Ben, he's a big movie star. He doesn't have a lot of time, Andy. Oh, uh, pardon me. Oh, Ben, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like hot nominated with Angelina Jolie and it, you know, that's just that's just him now. Well, you know, people change with fame. People change. I, I I've come to accept that. Yeah. Dude, have you know? Did he write? Did you read what he wrote? He's like, oh, Jared always agrees with me, but Andy hates what I say. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I can't help it if he's wrong or if he has bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> And what is up with you? You're going to meet people at the comic convention? You're going to meet our fans? Is that working out? I, I, that, that's how I, that's how Papa rolls. You know, I go that extra step to meet our fans. Goodness gracious. They're going to find out. They're going to find out that you're not as cool as you sound. 
oh no, I'm even cooler in person. <laughs> but the thing is, the, the biggest, my biggest fear about that is when I'm at a convention, I'm like in my mode. I, I like, I can't, I used to take Jennifer to the conventions and it just wouldn't work because she would follow me around and she'd get in my way and she would talk to me and stuff. And I'm like, I am looking for Generation X number 47 that <laughs> I'm concentrating on right now. I need you to be quiet and just, you know, go draw or something, you know, go sit in the lobby. So I just, I don't take her to conventions anymore because I just have to go by myself because I'm just in that mode of find, destroy, you know, <laughs> leave me alone, everybody else. So you're like, you're like Galactus. Pretty much, yes. I will, um, anytime I see a comic book I need, I send out my Silver Surfer and I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll, be fun, it'll be fun to meet him. Um, I think we'll just have to do the meet and greet at the beginning and then I'll be like, I'm going to go now. It was really cool to meet you, talk with you, and, and hang out and stuff, but now I have to go. Yeah, but you got to do a lunch or but something. Can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just can't talk to me while I'm there. Goodness gracious, at least you're laying it out for him ahead of time. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> so what are you going to wear or have that he's going to know it's you? Um. Well, I'm thinking I'm probably, what I'm going to do, I'm dress up like a comic book character. Are, that, sound, that sounds risky. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, Bishop. You're gonna dress up like Bishop? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty big, bulky. Um, I've got dark skin, bald. I think I can make it work. Okay, anybody listening, Jared is nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're light skinned. <laughs> Does Bishop have an earring? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> You lost your earring. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I, the hole is still there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are you going to wear anything or no? I mean... <laughs> no, I don't dress up for those. I, I, I don't know. We haven't, we haven't connected, but I'm sure we'll come up with, like, a you know mutual meeting spot and time and, and all that stuff. Maybe you should just give out the... You know what? You need a shirt that says marvel616politics.com. You're reading my mind. You're reading my mind. That's exactly what I was thinking. We need to, ah, oh, we need to get on that. It depends how much you're willing to pay, but we can do it. I could, um, just get like a sandwich board too and just wear that around. Right, with clothes. Why? <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to sit down. <laughs> well, you don't sit down in a sandwich board. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. You would take it off to sit down and that wouldn't work. <laughs> well, I'm afraid we're going to get to some. Uh, inappropriate territory right now. Okay, what is your list for the Dead Avengers? Yeah, that's what I was going to. Dead Avengers. <laughs> okay. um, like I said, I went with Avengers, people that were formerly Avengers, and I came up with five. Okay. I went with um, Scott Lang slash Ant-Man. Ooh, good choice. Killed during um, Disassembled. Alright, my second pick was Ares. Also a good choice. I forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, we just saw him killed by your main man. and uh, The Sentry? Yes, yes, you knew it. Um, third, I mean, what, what Dead Avengers list would be complete without Captain Marvel? You gotta have him. Right. Um, number five, Jack of Hearts. Why? Why? I, I just liked his power. I thought his power was pretty cool. Like, he had to go into that containment center um, for hours at a time with very, you know, very got out very little, you know, into the public because he's always exploding and stuff. And then my last one was Wasp. Yeah, Van Dyne. 
You would bring her back? Well, I gotta have a chick on my dead Avengers team. I guess that's true. And her death, I, I don't know, I thought it was kind of silly when she died during the Skrull invasion, but... I mean, she just kind of exploded into purple goo. It was weird. <laughs> why, why don't you hit us with your list, Andy man? Alright, I'm going to change up my list a little bit. So it, What? Yeah, well, it, you had three of the same ones I had. You know, the great minds think alike, right? I guess, but it's boring for the fans. How about you give us your original list and then your reserve members, which are the people that you changed. Okay, alright. I'm going to go, I had Captain America. I mean, no, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel, of course. Okay. Okay, Ant-Man, Scott Lang. And I had Wasp. But I think I'm going to change those to Ben Riley, like we kind of talked about. I would love to see Ben Riley on the Avengers. Yeah. What? I said, yeah. Oh, I thought you were like, oh, yeah, right. No, do you not remember when we were going over all the the clone stuff, and I thought that Ben Riley really did come back, and you're like, what are you talking about? That's a flashback. Yeah. Ve- um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to change that to um, Ben Riley, Scarlet Witch, and I'll keep... Oh, dead. Whatever. She's... Yes, she is. No, she's not. She's in the mountains. That's not really her. It never really said that. Oh, Andy, Andy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <I proceed. laughs> All right, Captain Marvel. I bring back Captain Marvel. All right, and then uh, here's my other three that I would bring back. Iron Lad. Interesting. Yes. Kind of uh, I liked his character a lot. Gravity who I know is not dead, but he was dead, and I don't think they explained how he came back. They never do. <laughs> People just come back. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, now he's in college, and he's on the young the young allies. And, like, he died and beyond. He, like, saved the universe. Yeah. And, like, I know beyond isn't necessarily canon, but, like, come on. And then my last one, who I would like to see on the Avengers, the dead Avengers team, is Loki. Loki? I like Loki. Yeah. Good choice, huh? Yeah, so your list was basically like characters that you'd like to see come back. No, it's... You really see that... Well, I mean, do you see that team functioning, like, with Loki on it? Exactly. It would It would really bring in, like, a lot of problems. Yeah. Because he's always trying to kill each other, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like, if you read the, you know, what it is, uh, you know, the the... The afterlife is collapsing into another reality and another universe, and so they all have to work together to preserve themselves. Loki is very much a self-preservation individual, but everybody else is like, okay, well, we have to do this either for ourselves or the good of humanity. And, um, I mean, basically, did you ever read Earth X, Paradise X, Universe X? Oh, I, I read the, the series Earth X itself. But I, I couldn't do any more than that. What? It was fantastic. Oh, I, I bought the omnibus and sold it after I read it. Why? I was boring. Boring? It... <laughs> I could not get into it. Dude, that is the <laughs> single greatest crossover. Earth X is the single greatest crossover of our time. 
Lest I remind you once again, this is Marvel 616 politics. Okay, all right, whatever, whatever. I, I'm just saying that <laughs> how can you not appreciate that? It's a it's a commentary on how humanity treats and looks at God. Uh, I, 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 okay, I don't remember, I guess. <laughs> oh, Five all right. Ago. And you made me use the word, use the word lest. That's just wrong. Well, that's, that's on your own head there. Whatever. I have no other choice. What other word could I have used there? <laughs> Unless? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's my team. I really think that it would be a good team dynamic, and I think you would get a lot of good stories out of it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that team. That's cool. I guess I just, you know, I followed what, what BS was asking us. I just didn't, you know. Pick you, random characters. You know what? We're not taking any more questions anymore. No more fan questions. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Let's and do Crawler s- and Forge and Dean Gray. Shut up! State of the Union. Woo! State of the Union. All right, we're we're going long again, of course. So <laughs> I think there's going to be lots of stuff to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. I don't know. All right, let's talk about this. Let's. Uh, we were gonna hit omit, but the um, uh, omit came out yesterday, so we are not gonna hit it because I haven't read it yet. Have you read it? Of course. You read the latest one? No. Okay. All right. I haven't picked up my books. All right, and so let's talk briefly about the Thanos Imperative. What you got? What questions do you have? Because I know you're like, what is this book? Well, I mean, I, I read up a little bit about it, and I kind of looked at the pictures and stuff, going through it to prepare for the podcast, but uh, uh, I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I um, I see Thanos is in it, and I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him. Uh, anything that has to do with the abstracts of the Marvel Universe... Uh, for the most part, not Mighty Avengers abstracts with Hank Pym. Ugh. All right. Anything that has to do with the abstracts and, and Galactus and, like, actually bringing them into something that really matters, I'm all about. And, again, that stems from me reading Earth-X. So, basically, what's going on now, we're three issues out of six into it, and um, we're fighting this this uh, tear in space the fault in space where this cancer verse is coming through into ours where death does not exist over there. And the problem is they're invading and we can't kill them because every time we kill them, they just come back. I got those parts. Okay. They say, well, you know, life has actually taken over like life as in a cancer, something that grows uh, unto itself and just takes over everything. So that's why they call it the cancer verse. So that's coming over and they're right, they're trying to kill death in our universe and set it free and, you know, kind of just have everything grow as well. So what we do, I say we, but what our heroes do is they, they, they wake up a resurrected Thanos and they say, because you are the avatar of death in, in this universe, you know, you are death's helper. And you long for it, you know, and he really doesn't want to be alive. He longs to be with death. He is the only one that can deliver the final death blow. So they need to, we find, do some sort of um, 
some sort of ritual to reverse the annihilation of death in their universe. And so we finally see who's at the, the head of this whole thing. And interestingly enough, it's a alternate version of Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Now, this, this stuck out to me because, and I'm a little slow, but Captain Marvel died of cancer. So this is like the universe that split off the instant he did not die from cancer, but he, he chose life and life took over him. And so the, actually the cancer grew out of him into something else. Did you get that from reading this? No, I did not. But I mean, you've been reading the whole saga. So you probably were able to put some pieces together a little better than I could. Okay, well, anyway, I mean, it's very interesting. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy. We have the Kree. We have the Shi'ar Empire. We have Blastar, who was given a piece of our universe, even though he's from the Negative Zone, and he's a king now. We got Quasar and Nova and Project Pegasus all working together against uh, Adam Magus and that Adam Warlock who turned bad. And it all has something to do with these uh, anomalies, these temporal anomalies as well, because we got Namorita, who came back from, you know, one of the Nova story arcs, and for some reason, uh, they're collecting these these anomalies. The Cancerverse people are collecting these anomalies, and we don't exactly know why yet, I don't think. So I, I think it's all pretty interesting, and like I said, I like Captain Marvel a lot. Um, I like his character, what he stands for, so I'm all about that. And who knows, it might bring him back at the end of the series. We don't know. I hope not, though. I mean, some deaths are just, you know, it was really important when he did die, you know? Yeah, how long ago was that? That was back in, like, maybe 1980. That was a while. Yeah, he's been he's been gone for quite some time. He came back... Uh, 1982. Wow, that's when we were born. <laughs> So, anything to add to that? I mean, what do you think about no, I mean, that? Do you do you care at all or no? Well, uh, I really have always liked Gladiator. He's always been one of my favorites. Right. And I've always liked Thanos. Back from, um, I remember when I was in school, I won at my comic book shop. They had a contest for to win the Infinity War series. And I won the Infinity War series. And so I've always liked Thanos since then. And, uh, so, I mean, those are, those are my, my, my two main ones, uh, that I enjoy. I've never been like a Nova fan, definitely not a Quasar fan at all. Uh, but I always like Gamora and Drax and Pip the Troll. Some of those guys were cool. Um, not a Rocket Raccoon fan <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, so, and I mean, Silver Surfer has just been difficult for me because it seems like every time he appears, he has a new allegiance and a new personality. Yes, I noticed oh. that. His personality changes all the time. He's like, oh, I'm finally free, but I will serve. Yeah, and like, now I'm working for Galactus today. Next week I won't be, but then I'll be back. And it's just like, ah, uh, I preferred Silver Surfer back when he had his own series, because at least he had some, he was kind of the same across the page. I, I, yeah, I'm not big, big into the whole cosmic stuff that's going on. I kind of like to just get a synopsis of, oh, okay, so that's what happened. All right, I'll move along, you know. Are you a Jack Flag fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Dude, Jack Flag in the first time I read anything that I I noticed he was in was um Thunderbolts like 110 or 111 or whatever. And I just fell in, I just fell in love with that guy and I was like, "Oh, he is amazing." <laughs> 
good though. I mean, you gotta everybody's gotta have their characters that they really love. Yeah, it's kind of odd. I mean, he's kind of. So, would you say that Jack Flag is uh, part of the reason that you became the man that you are? Oh yes, definitely. No, actually, um, funny you should say that. No, but in the Thunderbolt series, I think it is one eleven or one twelve even when he helps that girl escape. Then all of a sudden, the Thunderbolts are after him, and they totally just paralyze him and rip him apart. I was so impressed. I was like, man, this guy knew that this was going to happen, but he still went out there, and he still tried to help that girl. Goodness gracious, like, would I have the guts to do that? I don't know. It depends on what what superhero you decide to use as a role model to base your life on, you know? I suppose. What do you mean? I'm trying to segue into our next topic. Oh, yes! Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> that was good. That was good. All right. Oh, it's my second attempt. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> okay. I totally did not catch that. All right, go ahead. Why don't, why don't you introduce this topic? All right, so our next topic is, um, well, it's something that's happened this week. There was an article put out um, that discussed... Um, the different, the new superheroes that are out today and how they're role models for young boys and, uh, basically how they're awful. Which <laughs> is the, the gist of the study, um, is that today's media superheroes, um, offer boys poor role models, um, says Dr. Sharon Lamb. And, uh, that was the, the gist of the article that the superheroes like Superman so-called old superheroes, they were good for boys, but new superheroes like Iron Man, even though he's like uh, 50 years old and has been around since like 1961 or something, um, are not good. And that they, uh, that they, he, someone like Iron Man just uh, shows his masculinity through his power over others, exploiting women, uh, displaying wealth, and uh, through sarcasm. Okay, so what do you think about this? Um... I think kind of kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, you can. It's really. It's just the articles that I read from Dr. Lamb. They just didn't delve into the meat of the subject. You know, based on the articles that I read, she was just like, "Yeah, I just asked people, kids, who their favorite superhero was." And based on asking them who their favorite superhero was, I came up with all these different conclusions. I'm like, lady, you can, how can you come up with all these different conclusions based on one question? You know, you have to kind of figure out, you know, why. I mean, when I was growing up, my favorite superhero was Storm. So does that mean I want to be an African-American queen from uh, Africa? No, that's not what it means at all. It, it, it just means that I liked her a lot, that she was cool. I liked the X-Men because they were all different and uh, you know, no matter what, you could find one that was different than the other one, which was different than the other one, and they had team dynamic and all that stuff. And, you know, I like Iron Man not because he has a lot of girlfriends or because he's wealthy. I like Iron Man because basically he's the good guy, and the good guy beats up the bad guy and saves the world in the end. That's what superheroes are for. They're like that escapism to, for boys just to be boys instead of being emasculated in this feminine society that we live in today. Now, see, I kind of took it a little bit different. I'm not going to, I'm not going to totally defend her, but I'll, I'll tell you the backstory. Um, I, 
I was emailed this article a lot from a lot of people I knew, and then you posted, I think, on the on the web, on our Facebook site, and um, then my brother he emailed it to me and he said you should talk to this woman and find out what's going on. And I was like, you know what? We should talk to this woman. So I dug up her email address and I asked her for an interview. And I said, hey, would you be interested in doing an interview? And she said, maybe read this first. And she sent me a link. And the link was to this book because I thought it was an article. I thought it was a study, but it was a book that she had written with two other um, doctors, two other psychologists. And um, she's she's an academic. She's a um, professor over at the University of Massachusetts, I believe. I um, I emailed her and said, okay, I've read it. I've passed it on to um, Jared, my co-host. Um, would you be interested? And she said, yes, what time tomorrow? We have a dinner party, but I should be able to sneak away because it's mostly my husband's friends. And I said, great. So I called up Jared and I said, what time are we doing this? And we set up a time and I wrote her back and she said, good, I'll be there. And I said, do you want the questions ahead of time for this interview because I thought, you know, give her fair warning. And uh, the questions I had put together were like, what was your hypothesis going in? Was it proven or disproven? What is your definition of masculinity? What stereotype are you, are you saying that we need to keep our sons away from? So they were very middle of the road, very scientifically methodical questions that I tried not to put a bias in there because I really wanted to know what she thought. Yeah. So I emailed her the questions. Oh no, I got an email back from her before I, I, uh, just before I emailed her the questions. Cause through this whole day, I'm doing stuff like working. And, um, <laughs> so I was like, she, she emailed me and she said, you know what? On second thought, I'm going to back out. I've been getting a lot of angry fan or angry mail from comic aficionados telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. I emailed her back and I said, before you back out, Please re review the questions below. And um, I totally understand. In no way do we want to grill you. We don't want to rake you over the coals. We just want to give you a, a podium for kind of explaining to this demographic that may be taking your work out of context. And so I thought that would kind of sweeten the deal. I told her, you know, I have three daughters and I would not want them to grow up the way, you know, womanhood is being stereotyped today so i understand where she's coming from and she wrote back and she was kind of agitated and i think it's because she probably went and checked her mail and then came back and opened the mail or she checked her email and i think she was getting swamped with very very angry people and so she was like see this is exactly what we don't need because I didn't even do a study, so I didn't have a hypothesis. You know, she she was unhappy, obviously, and her her email wasn't very professional. It didn't like have an intro and a, and a conclusion, like a you know a greeting and a, and a and a closing, but it had like a lot of exclamation points and everything. <laughs> so I could tell she was kind of unhappy. So I emailed her back. And I said, if you ever change your mind, let us know. If you ever want to speak to our audience. And I said, I, I completely understand. I wouldn't want to be put under that scrutiny either. Anyway, my brother, I, he was really excited, and he had some questions for her as well, and some of them I, I had already stated. But he said, well, I can see where she's coming from because if her husband was like, oh, you're doing a podcast, do you know these people? They don't have any, you know, any producers, anything like that going after them, and 
cleaning up the story. You need to be careful and you don't know who these people are. So if that did occur, which I assume it did, I mean, that's what I would tell Miss Jacqueline. You know, I don't blame her. Whatever. So that's that's it. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is that she said, when you read my book, then we can have a conversation. I didn't do a study. I don't have a hypothesis. And so to me, that's like, okay, number one, she just wants to sell her book. Okay. And number two, if she didn't do a scientific study and she just talked to a bunch of people like you were saying, how in the world can she draw these conclusions? But the main question here is, what superhero stereotypes is she scrutinizing? What is her definition? What is her definition of ill-adjusted and bad for sons and uh, young young men? Because she says it's bad for them. It's ill-adjusted. Now, this may just be the reporting of the media reporting on this because it's a hot topic. but. It's very ambiguous, right? It, it, it's not absolutely right. It's not specific what she means, or she's not specific of what she means. So I was trying to get to the bottom of that. What is her definition of masculinity? But where does she get that definition? What is her authority that gives her that definition? Fox News did a like the the red eye, which is their three in the morning show, and saying no, we need more masculine men. We need you know people who can lay the smack down when we need it. We don't need people who go and eat popcorn and cry at movies. That's kind of he- neither here nor there. What I'm thinking here is she got the comic book thing completely wrong. If she's equating the superhero that she sees on the silver screen in the cinema with the superhero that is in the comic book, they're completely different characters. Wouldn't you say? How so? Okay. The movies, you have one chance to get that person to see that movie. That movie's only going to be in theaters one time. So you're going to tailor it to what the audience likes in other movies. Not the superhero genre, but movies in general. What sells. Secondly, in the comic book world, you have 40 years to get that person to read that comic book. We have 40 years to get somebody to jump on and start reading Spider-Man. And then taper off and jump on again or whatever. The whole length of that. The comic is going to be completely different than the movie character. The movie character, let's take the Dark Knight, okay? Let's take Batman. A lot of explosions, a lot of intriguing, you know, wacko type stuff. A lot of might makes right, okay? Now, fans, don't get upset because I did not miss the point of this movie, okay? I know this is not the point, but from her perspective, that's what it looks like. Batman is striving for redemption and trying to wage war against these people that took out his parents. He's saying because because this person existed ahead of time and and killed his parents, he now fills that void of the good that his father could have done. I mean, that's how I read it. I don't read that much Batman. But let's take Iron Man. Iron Man, yes, he has a lot of women. Yes, he's sarcastic. Yes, he's macho. He beats up stuff. He gets drunk. But the whole point, if you read Iron Man... He's struggling with alcoholism. He's struggling with making the world a better place. He's struggling with how he treats Pepper, whom he really loves, but knows he can't be with, in contrast with how he treats all his other girlfriends. The whole thing is a redemption story of trying to be that better person, trying to see the future ahead of time and provide what the world is going to need to make sure that it doesn't mess up so that somebody doesn't come in and fill the gaps and say, I have this technology without thinking ahead. We're going to use it to the detriment of society. 
what what boggles my mind. I mean, even I don't know how she got this from looking at this this superhero stuff. Maybe Iron Man because that was stated over and over. Hulk was stated as well. But Hulk in the movie, yeah, we want to see him get big and smash stuff. But Hulk in the in the in the comic book, he wants to be left alone. He's a Frankenstein character that doesn't want this power. He's trying to control his anger. He's not lashing out in anger because he wants to. He's fighting that every step of the way. Spider Man. Spider Man is constantly living up to or, or trying to live up to that responsibility that he has that was thrust upon him. In no way, I mean, he's sarcastic when he fights because he's self, his self-confidence is so low. He doesn't think he can do on any of this stuff. So this macho thing and this sexist and sarcastic stuff is just going to these movies and watching them so blindly that you can't even see what the character is about. The Dark Knight is about the definition of good. It's about is good what is left up to chance is good doing what you want to do and just a bunch of hedonism and kind of just uh, it's Kierkegaard's three stages of life or is good that higher calling is good what the law says is good surpassing the law how is that not helping mankind and boys try to figure out you know what is good how 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 do I react in this situation see she's completely off and what I wanted to do was give her a chance to say well, I was just looking at the movies at face value. You know, when a young kid goes in there, are they reading into the movie that much? No, they're seeing a bunch of explosions and they think it's cool. That I can accept. But if you say the comic book is like that, it's almost inescapable how the comics are telling a story other than what is presented to you on the page, other than the pictures on the page. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you said a lot. I don't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know. I know. I did say a lot, but I've been thinking about this for a long time. I mean, I agree that I wouldn't want my sons growing up with that stereotype that she defined that masculine stereotype of um, too much individualism, um, sexism, sarcasm, machoism, all this stuff that's that's fake. Okay, that's not real. It's all socially constructed. I I don't want that stereotype. But to link that stereotype with the storytelling method of comic books is just so erroneous. Well, yeah, I, I agree. But I guess I have some issues with how she collected her data, her questions, her whole data sampling, every, everything like that. In the study, it says she pulled 674 boys from 4 to 18 Asked them what they were reading, watching on television at the movies, and what they were reading in comic books. She watched the movies and shows, and looked at the comic books deemed popular, evaluating Batman, Iron Man, Hulk, and Fantastic Four. After finding them aggressive and otherwise undesirable, what? <laughs> How do, she, she gets to determine that they're aggressive. She gets to determine that they're undesirable. You know, I, that, I guess that's part of my biggest issue, is... They were just asked simple questions of what do you read, what do you watch on TV, what do you watch at the movies, and what do you read in comic books? And she deemed them aggressive and undesirable. Yeah, well, what? Yeah, you're right. What is her criteria? Uh, uh, yeah, and then she, and then the other extreme she noticed in those materials were that boys in those uh, materials were slackers. She found that the theme of boys hanging out to drink together appearing 
in media deemed by rating systems to be appropriate for viewing preteens. Um, she says uh, that the way boys bond with each other is binge drinking or partying. Uh, I just feel like she she has no clue what she's talking about at all, even close. I think what she did is say, you know what, I've seen a lot of movies lately with this in it. And if that's how they're portraying men, well, then I think that's wrong. I mean, well, I mean, just looking at the article, there's so many different ways that you can kind of look at this and, and honestly just kind of rip it into pieces. Because, you know, I don't want to go against her, and it's nothing, not a personal attack in any way, shape, or form, but it's how she came to her conclusions and the statements that she's basing and, and quoting them as so-called fact when her methods were just totally undesirable and not scientifically accurate. You know, even from somebody who's, you know, a 27-year-old, you know, education major. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a doctor by any means, but I can tell that if I were to do my thesis using these kind of uh, ways to find my research, they would laugh me right out of school. No, I think you're right. And I can, I can only go by my personal contact with her, and unfortunately that was almost limited to read my book, read my book, buy my book. Yeah. I mean, so what does that tell me about her? I mean, it was very interesting that the article said that somebody else came, Carlos Santo, or Carlos Santos or something like that, came behind her and said, well, we did notice that men, or young boys who had close siblings or uh, mother relationships stayed away from these stereotypes. And then it said, but surprisingly, people, young men who had, you know, father relations, very close father relations, did not resist these stereotypes. And so that begs a lot of questions there. Like, all right, number one, did it talk about divorce at all? Did it talk about not having that balance? Did it talk about the character of the father? Does it perpetuate down to the next generation? If the father, I mean... It said it just said a relationship with the father. Did it have a negative relationship, a positive relationship? Was that father, did that father fall into the negative stereotype? Did that father fall into the positive stereotype? Um, you know, what are these people getting at home? Is it two hours at the movies is going to have a bigger impact than the negative stereotype that they get at home? I mean, or the positive stereotype that they get at home. That doesn't make any sense. My favorite line from the Carlos Santos piece is um, in his research he followed 426 middle school boys from six public schools I was like dude I wouldn't want some man following my middle school boy home from school that's weird (laughs) (laughs) and how many arrests (laughs) just reading out of context kind of made me laugh he followed 426 middle school boys from school (laughs) that's terrible I, I think my favorite line was, parents have to know that just because it's rated PG-13, it doesn't mean it's appropriate. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, what in the world? Who in the... Okay, this may be accurate. I don't know. But who in the world is going out there saying, what's it rated? Okay, go go get it. Or go see it. I don't care. Like, then, I, maybe this is way more prevalent than I think. But when I was a kid... My parents, if I said I want to go see this movie, they said, what's it about, was their first question. Or what is it called, what is it about, what is it rated, why is it rated that? 
You know, I remember seeing Titanic. That was PG-13. And we got Kate Winslet or whoever, like, throwing her boob everywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, that was PG-13. So I think part of, well, and, and, you know, honestly, Andy, not everybody has parents like those. I got I just got to be honest with you, you know. Our, our parents really didn't monitor what we watched at the movie theaters. But I think... At, at all? No, not really. I mean, they just... I mean, Dad wasn't around, and Mom was busy. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but, I mean, not everybody comes from that nuclear family with the mom and dad that care, you know? Were, are, were your parents divorced? Yeah. I was not sure about that. <laughs> but I think, I think maybe, like, a bigger topic for this whole article is... You know, society is always trying to find, the, you know, playing the blame game. Who can we blame, you know, boys acting bad on? You know, who can we blame for, you know, increased, you know, people in, in prison? You know, it must be um, the role models that they're seeing in superhero comic book movies and comic books and um, comic book uh, TV shows. That must be why we have aggressive boys. But it, it's, it's just a load of crap is honestly what it is. Because let's look at 50 years ago, okay? Like, you know, when comics were just kind of starting or, or whatever, and, and those weren't big things. Back in, in those days, I mean, I remember my dad telling me, you know, when he was growing up, it wasn't anything for his dad to punch him in the face. Kids it, kids were done, it was done more than just a spanking. Right. Some kids were like, beaten with belts, you know. You know, your dad gives you your first beer. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to, I mean, we were at, we were in wars, you know, in Vietnam. Kids were much younger than what we send kids to war now. You know, society has always had something where there's increased violence or, or this or that or whatever. So I would, I mean, I would tend to say that our society today is much more feminized than than masculine society. Everything, you know, today is more about, you know, talk about your feelings. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I think it makes for... More productive society to hopefully you know talk out your your problems as opposed to beat the crap out of each other. So whether you're going to blame today's problems or comic on comic books or 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 whatever, I mean, there's always going to be something that you could you could point to as this is why society is violent now. We're at war, or you know, my dad beat me, or whatever you want to say. You know, it's always something. I feel like this is just a, a cop out to attack this part of the, commu- the, the community, who can we blame right now? We'll haphazardly put together this study, add some fluff into it, slap a 1995 price tag on it, and put out a couple mini articles to get people enticed and, and uh, in an uproar about. Yeah, I would say <clears throat> that the influence of the parents is probably a much greater role in society than any stereotype you see on TV or the movies. Would you agree? Absolutely, 100%. Now, the question comes in, into play, obviously, is, you know, where where did the parents get their, uh, how they live, you know, how the, their, their definition of masculinity and, fem, and femininity, um, you know, did that come from, is it, is it inbred to us through the media? You know, the generations. That, I don't know. I can't argue that. But I think it's interesting that this um, is coming like 60 years or 50 years after the Comic Code Authority. Um, yeah. 
the same thing. Did you did you did you look at this at all? The Commerce Code Authority went before the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency in 1954. It was because of a psychologist. Yep. It was by Frederick uh, Wortham's book, Seduction of the Innocent. And uh, he rallied opposition to this type of, of uh, you know, violence and gore and crime and sexual innuendo in material in comics, arguing that it was harmful to the children who made up the large segment of the comic book audience. So I just, I mean, it's like history repeating itself, but now it's mm-hmm. with, now it's with a price tag and capitalism attached. You got it, absolutely. You hit it on the head. I, I think that was perfect. I don't know. It makes me sad. It makes me sad because, dude, the people who read comics, what are we, geeks? What are we, nerds? The people who don't read comics don't understand what they're missing out on. You get a lot of life lessons, not that not that you internalize them, but that you say, you know what, I never looked at that that way. And now that it's put to a metaphor with somebody who is more powerful than me, and yet they're put in the exact same situation how they dealt with it, how we would deal with it, you know, it makes you really think about, you know, if Moreland was chasing me, who would I call? How would I defeat him? Would I pull the trigger? Would I, you know, those type of things. It talks It talks to the good of humanity. Now, yeah, there's some comics out there, Mark Millar, who, you know, he just wants to blow things apart. Yeah, whatever. His movies, Wanted, all those other things, if she's going to speak out against masculine stereotypes in comic books, that's who you need to speak out against. Not the Hulk yeah. and Iron Man and Batman. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, mean, I really tried to give her a fair, a fair go-around on this. And, you know, looking at things from all angles, it doesn't, it doesn't look like she did her research. It doesn't look like... It looks like it's all her opinion, what she's entitled to. And if people want to yeah. buy it, that's fine. But it looks like she's wrong. But when you throw your credentials of a doctor of psychology, you know, you are you really giving your opinion? You're stating that you did this study and that you're a doctor and this is what's going on. You know, it, it, that, that line of opinion and what is determined to be truth is kind of blurred when you throw that there. No, you're right. You're definitely right. Because if you and I are publishing something, they're like, oh, yeah, cool, they like comic books. That's really all that they can do. But when she's making these statements and saying, and I'm a doctor of psychology as well, I know what I'm talking about, and I talked to 600 boys and asked them what TV shows they watched, it kind of makes, you know, if you're not if you're not looking between the lines, you're like, oh, she's a doctor. She said it. It must be true. Yep. She's a doctor. Well, the same thing with Dr. Phil, with Oprah. With I mean, Oprah doesn't have that many credentials, but, you know, with Dr. Phil, with Dr. Laura, with even Dr. Dobson, people say, that person said it. They have the credentials. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you. Lady, you're still welcome to give us an interview. We're happy to uh, call you on some of these things, and we'd be happy to uh, talk to you if you want to. You denied us, so we kind of had to rip you to shreds. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought, I, like I said, I thought we were being kind of, yes, we're being harsh, but we're still being fair. I mean, we're calling into question her research methodology, her statistics, her random sampling, and her criteria, and her yeah. definitions. I mean, 
and then we gave our opinion. Yeah, enlighten enlighten us on those things, and then we can go from there. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend money on a on a trash book that you know the sequel's coming out or this was the sequel to you know the daughter one. Whatever. I don't need a whole series of how to hopefully save your kids from stereotypes. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Uh, let's <laughs> let's let's hit the Tinas, huh? Alright, we'll wind this baby up. Alright, phew, how many Tinas you got? I have three. Oh, good, I got two. Awesome, alright, well I'll start off then. A Tina Awards. First one is Come Together. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free. Come together, right now, over me. Come Together. Give me a list of comics that it could be in. They're only from our three that we reviewed. Okay. Ooh, it could be it could be in any of them. Um, yeah. let, let's go with X-Men 2 when they allude that they're going to take Dracula's head and body and make them come together? No, I'm sorry. Oh, was it Rogue going with Zarus, them coming together? No. Dang it. All right. Was it Shadowland 2 where all the heroes came together to meet Daredevil? Yes, sir. Ah! Got it on the third try. Woohoo! Than any of the titles, though. That was a hard one. Yeah, do more six. It could have been they all came together at the end in a climax and, and Deadpool was there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I'll give you that. Uh, you get that point. The points don't matter, but okay. <laughs> All right, let's go with Ball of Confusion. Uh, do more. Well done. That took you like two seconds, if that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that one summarizes that totally. <laughs> yeah, it was like, how did this... I am so confused. What did this have to do with anything? And how in the world did, did it get through uh, editorial? Uh, the even matter. Okay, next one is... Well, the song is called Coast de la Vita, but the English translation is Can't Stop Thinking of You. Yes, you know it's true. I just can't stop thinking of you. No, I just can't pretend all the time that we spend the time. Ah! Now this one, I'm going to go with Rogue can't stop thinking about what she needs and what she's looking for and that fulfillment. I would say yes, but Rogue was not in X-Men number two. Oh, dang it. Not Rogue Jubilee. Yes, Jubilee. <laughs> I was so close. I was so excited. I was like, oh, I got this one. This is it. All right, I get half a point. You can have the whole point. It's cool. Yes. What you get is what you see. And I'm not giving you a hint, please. Because I want you to lose. 
That's that uh, stereotype masculinity coming out. <laughs> uh, what you get is what you see. I really don't know. Uh, what you get what you see. Um, do more? Nope. X-Men. What, what for? Okay. Uh, well, at least I got the first title down. <laughs> uh, for he can go out into the light? Nope. Um, uh, all the va- thousands of vampires on the map. Nope. No, no. Well, actually, that's pretty good, but no, that's not it. What you get, I, I, I made sure I mentioned this while we were going through the review to give you a hint. Um, so you got to look for the Easter eggs back in there. No, it's just the X-Men. It's such a flat story. It's one-dimensional, and there's no twists. They're going to tell you exactly what they're going to do. An army going against an army, and they're vampires, and we're going to try to kill them, and they're going to try to kill us. What you get is what you see. That makes sense. That was a good one. All right. All right. My last one is absolutely nothing's changed. Um, I would say do more six, but the vibranium thing has changed. But in the grand scheme of things, we just still don't care about Wakanda. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. The X Men were all there. Thor was there. The Fantastic Four. Look at any of their titles; it has no repercussions at all. I mean, Nightcrawler was in Do More, and Nightcrawler's been dead for a couple months now. So this had to have taken place all before that. The whole thing with the Fantastic Four got they've got going on, you know, with somebody's gonna die. You know what? Not Asgard crash. It's it's just it doesn't make any sense. Not only that, but the last like one of the last panels it has Steve Rogers in his new costume or his new uniform. So it, so not only Nightcrawler was in it, but Steve Rogers was in it and it just it doesn't fit continuity at all. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. And yeah, I don't I don't want to get started back up on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that about wraps it up. We are 2 hours and 20 minutes into this show. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, contact information. This is Marvel 616 Politics. Uh, hit us up at marvel616politics.com or email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We try to respond as best we can throughout the day. It's uh, twitter.com slash 616politics or just at 616politics if you're using a Twitter client. Give us a call at uh, 616-755-TINA and of course our Facebook page is open 24-7 facebook.com slash marvel616politics And I gotta tell you if you guys have something to say about the Dr. Uh, Lamb, Sharon Lamb, post. Because we did. I didn't mention it, and neither did um, our good friend Jared. But uh, Michael Smith and Gabe Campos, Will Freeman, Freddie Sharp, and uh, Alicia Glob, I think. Sorry, Alicia. And our own Jennifer Mayo all had good things to say about our State of the Union article about superheroes being bad role models. Jump aboard. If you have something you want to say on that, comment on that to your heart's content. If you think that we are blown out of proportion, tell us. If you think that she 
should be hamstrung. Tell us, but uh, keep keep it clean. So, <laughs> yeah, please be respectful. Attack the uh, content, not the person. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We tried, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> good deal. All right, I guess that's it. Everyone, have a good night. Until next time, make yours Marvel Six One Six Politics. Jackie's gonna kill you. I know. Are you? She told me she was like, "I'm not gonna wait up." <laughs>